0: Welcome in to another edition of the PHNX d podcast right here on PHNX. My name is Derek Montilla, occasionally known as your mayor of PHNX. And I'm joined by my vice mayor and fellow Gabriel Moreno fan, the one and only Thunderstick Jesse Friedman.
1: Derek, is this Carlos Correa thing like, like, is this, this going to happen? Is Carlos is a- Correa
0: just going to linger for months? Is that is what's this- happening here? Is it Groundhog Day, Jesse? I don't understand what we are even talking about here. Of course, we have so much more trade talk, uh, trade discussion to get to. Uh, We're going to take a deep dive looking at Gabriel Moreno's numbers. But first, as Jesse said, we have some Carlos Correa talk to discuss. Of course, this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Jesse, what the hell is going on? Uh, What the hell is going on with Carlos Correa and the Mets? Things are not looking good. For this deal to go down
1: now, what is happening? I, I, yeah, I, I think I, I read it. One source put it at fifty-five percent that Carlos Correa will still will still be in New York Met at this point. I'm convinced they're just kind of making up numbers. I don't know how you could possibly have like that precise of a uh, seven
0: and a half percent probability. Yeah.
1: yeah, I don't know. I don't know the validity of this, but yeah, it sounds like the Mets and the and, and Carlos Correa and along with Scott Boris, of course, are in negotiations and it seems that there is um there is more staying power to these negotiations. I think there's there's um, more to these negotiations than what was happening between the Giants and and Carlos Correa's camp prior. Uh, which seemed like it just didn't really go anywhere. And the Giants were just kind of doing their homework on the medicals and uh, weren't really reporting back anything to Scott Boris. And eventually he was like, all right, you know, we, we gave you a reasonable amount of time. Now we have to move on to other teams. Um, But it is interesting that other teams have, started to get involved with this, as you would expect. Apparently, uh, we've had three teams, or at three least teams. multiple teams, uh, reported as, we don't know who those teams are, but we know that other teams have checked in on Carlos Correa. And given, you know, what's happened with the Mets and and what happened uh, with the Giants, that's not particularly
0: surprising. John Heyman reported Monday evening that Cray is not open to the idea of restructuring his reported agreement with the Mets, which sounds like that's something that the Mets might want to do based on this medical information being provided to them. I just, I have to ask like, what the hell is going on? This is like, since this is sincerely buying like a used car after your friend passed up on it because he got the Carfax report on it and found out that (laughs) It's been in several accidents that they weren't disclosing to you. Like, that's what this feels like. And then you went ahead and bought it anyway, knowing that information, like the Mets were in on Korea, knowing that the giants were out based on this, uh, the medical concerns. And now they seem to all of a sudden have the same medical concerns. The wildest part is the three teams that there are three teams reportedly still in on Korea. Should this deal fall apart for the Mets? And what yeah. are those teams thinking? Like what the hell is even happening here? This just doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Uh, and honestly, Korea's medical concerns seem to be something significant now, not just not just a yeah. minor thing that the Giants were kind of blowing out of proportion. Right.
1: I mean, and Steve Cohen, remember, Steve Cohen, after this agreement was reached, went on record saying, we needed one more thing, and this is it. This was important. This puts us over the top. Those are the exact words of Steve Cohen. Those are and famous you know, last words. Those are. I mean, maybe infamous last words. We'll We'll see how things turn out. But you know that if an owner comes out and speaks like that about a deal, and then the deal potentially... You know, I'm not saying it's it's going to fall through. It seems like most likely this will still go down. But the fact that it's it's hit as much of a roadblock as it has shows you how serious these medical concerns are like the Mets were all in on this. Steve Cohen is on the record talking about how great of a move this is going to be for them. And even that team is looking at these medical records and saying, oh, man, like maybe we didn't really understand what we were getting into. Maybe the San Francisco Giants were onto something here. Um, And we've also heard that Carlos Correa didn't want to restructure, um, you know, the terms of this deal, the number of years, the amount of money, which, I mean, no surprises there. Of course, he's not going to want to, but it looks like he's probably going to have to. Um, Or maybe it's, you know, maybe they keep the same numbers, but there's just some sort of caveat about if something uh, happens to his leg, then, You know, maybe they would the the guarantee part of the guarantee would go away, or maybe they have some other provision in there. But something is probably going to have to change for this contract in order, uh, in order for this deal to get done.
0: I just this is this is crazy to me because obviously part of this is a team that had no problem spending, literally going out there and, like you said, like his his infamous what could be infamous last words. That sounds like somebody. You know, just grabbing whatever is left on the shelf. You know, we, we've made the Black Friday <laughs> comparisons and kind of joked about that, but that's almost what it feels like. I've been in that position myself where you went out, you were probably at a store for a particular item. They most likely didn't have very many, and you probably didn't get there in time. So now, instead of just taking the L and getting it in your car and leaving, you're going to buy something else. And it's not just going to be an item someone wants, it's going to be some sort of forced, situation where you're buying a gift for someone (laughs) that they didn't even want but you're getting it because it's a good deal uh and and you're not leaving with taking that loss right the the mets seemed to be out there active and trying to fulfill a certain wish list of of a number of all-stars and carlos correa was that last one on the on the list or at least there was that last spot they saw an opportunity here with the giants rethinking their deal that they made with him and they swooped in and, and stole him away but again ah man like this this and th- this whole thing doesn't make any sense to me and I'm I'm sincerely concerned about Korea's future in this game considering this stuff coming up like I, I don't know but uh, obviously there's something pretty significant there and uh, I, I'm still yeah. I'm, I'm still just not I still can't believe that there are three teams still on in, in on it. That's it's, that's it's the other wild. part.
1: Like, it's wild. Yeah, this is not something that we normally see, right? Like 99.999% of the nope. time when you see such and such a team is in agreement with such and such a free agent pending yeah. a physical, you Just don't waiting. even think twice about it. The physical is, is usually a formality. Uh, but yeah, in this case, it's a surgery that Carlos Correa had Believe it's a fractured fibula that he suffered way back in 2014 when he was in the minor leagues. This goes back almost a decade. Um, as far as we know, Carlos Correa has not really had any issues with this since then. Uh so we don't know exactly what's going on here, but it seems like there are some details surrounding that surgery that have brought up some concerns about uh, you know, what is Carlos Correa going to look like in in five years, you know, in 10 years? How is this deal going to age? And to I am comment. Uh, that he just left. He said, didn't Correa get a physical when he signed with the Twins? I'm curious what changed between now and then. Yes, absolutely. Carlos Correa got a physical when he signed with the Twins just a year ago. But there's a big difference between signing a three-year deal with an opt-out after the first year Bingo. Versus, you know, the the kind a of thirteen-year deal out here, eleven-year exactly. deal. Right You're going to scrutinize the details of that physical way more when you're signing a deal as long as this one, and that's the key difference.
0: I can't help but think too. This puts you at odds with maybe some of these moves that the bigger teams are trying to make, where they're spreading the money out throughout a number of years to try to avoid as much luxury tax right, as possible. Right. As we talk with the Met, as we talked about in the past the Mets, the Mets don't give a damn about that. At least not right now in the short <laughs> term. But there will come a day where they where they do care about that. And let's not even do we even need to talk about Bobby Bonilla day. Like come on. Like this is this is <laughs> something that teams don't want to be a part of. I still couldn't I couldn't believe to find out that Bernard Gilkey was making a million dollars plus a year from the Diamondbacks just up until a few years ago, just living the fat life off of that million-dollar paycheck he gets once a year. So uh, we we want to try to avoid uh, deferring payments and paying these long-term contracts, but especially if you're going to do it with a guy that has an uncertain future as far as uh, health concerns go, right? Yeah. I, I don't know, though. Like you said, it's really weird that this injury from 2014 is now coming up as a, a main reason, something that has not been a consistently nagging injury or anything that has been coming back up. It's just something that apparently seems to have like a, I don't know, some sort of like timeframe on it almost like, Oh, it's almost, it's almost guaranteed to re-break, you know, at some point in the next 10 years. And that right there is enough for these teams to not want to commit to this long-term deal. But yeah, uh, they're not the only team in New York, Still trying to make a deal happen. Uh, the New York Yankees continue to pursue Brian Reynolds from the Pirates in a trade. Uh, this feels a bit like the trade between the D-backs and the Blue Jays due to it making some sense for, for both a lot teams. Of right? <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And that might be the reason why they're connected. I know that there has been talk about the Yankees contacting the Pirates. Uh, the Pirates also signed Dick Mountain, a.k.a. Rich Hill to a one-year deal which is again very exciting to see someone older than me still in baseball jesse that makes me feel i just i think it's incredible
1: that rich hill is going to make eight million dollars in his age 43 season let's go that that just absolutely that's the american dream
0: right there let's (laughs) fucking go rich hill uh But going back to the Yankees, for the first time in a long time, it really does feel like they have to make a move to keep up with the competition. The Yankees, for once, seem like the team that isn't spending outrageous amounts of money and trying to go after every big-name free agent. But this move for a left fielder definitely feels like something that's a necessity uh, to to help them keep up with all the other teams in the American League.
1: I think it is. I think it is. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense if you're the Yankees to, you know bring back Aaron judge, go get Carlos or and then just not really have like a great everyday left fielder. Obviously they, they lost Andrew Benintendi to the Chicago white Sox, who brought him in for five years and 75 million. Honestly, that seems like maybe a reasonable deal that maybe the Yankees should have done. No, uh, but is. yeah, they, they have a hole there. There, there's no question. They don't have, uh, they don't have an option there, at least not that is of the caliber of the player that they have at most other positions on the diamond. And if you're going all in like the Yankees certainly are, it just doesn't make sense to, to let that happen. So I, I expect the Yankees will do something in left field. Uh, MLB trade rumors just published a story where they looked at all of the Yankees left field options. I was amused that the Diamondbacks were still mentioned in that article. As a possible <laughs> trade partner, uh, you know, yeah, of course, everyone's Let's noticing go. the same thing. Everyone is noticing that the Diamondbacks traded Dalton Varshow and got an outfielder back and technically they still have an outfield surplus. I don't yeah. think that's how the team views the situation internally, no, I but so
0: I hope not. But, I hope that's not how they view it internally. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't, and I don't think they do. Um, we didn't ask Mike Hazen about that directly uh, over the weekend during that press conference, but I would be very, very surprised if that's something that the Diamondbacks were seriously considering at this point. Um, so, yeah, I think the game. I think Brian Reynolds makes a lot of sense. It still would be surprising to see Brian Reynolds stay on the Pirates, despite what the team said. You know, they came out after he requested a trade and said, you know, we're not going to trade Brian Reynolds. We are excited to have him you know, come back next year and have a great season as a Pittsburgh pirate. But they had to say that all along that didn't really mean much. It still feels like the pirates are probably wasting an opportunity if they hold on to Brian Reynolds, uh, even beyond this off season.
0: Well, Jesse, we don't do this often, but, uh, in, in light of what is going on with Carlos Correa, we are going to go ahead and give Carlos Correa's physical, the OGs performance to forget.
1: <laughs> Can you do that like is a is a physical a it's not really a performance,
0: Derek. It's just I'm sort of it. like nah, nah. okay this is this is a nightmare situation and it is something that all teams involved would like to forget, especially if the deal doesn't go down with the Mets and some other team steps up here and is once again a new suitor, a new challenger, if you will, that comes along and tries to take the crown uh, and the crown being Carlos Correa. And his faulty fibula? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. Fibula, uh, yeah. Fibula. Uh, but anyway, you guys, of course, uh, make sure to check out our friends at OG's. They're all about flavoring life and making performances uh, like this easier to forget. But make sure to check them out your local dispensary. They have a wide variety of doses and strains for you to choose from. Uh, not to mention the fact that they have an, an excellent sleep edition gummy uh, right here, Jesse. I got it right here. It's on me at all times. So whenever I need a quick nap. I got the OGs uh, sleep formula ready to go. But, of course, uh, anyone this offseason that has to deal with Carlos Correa and his situation getting their hopes up, uh, they, they could use some OGs at this point. But find them at your Local Dispensary. Uh, must be 21 years or older to enjoy, uh, and enjoy responsibly. Uh, if you guys are here right now in the PHNX Sports YouTube channel, make sure to uh, sign up. For subscribe do all that if you haven't done so already sign up for notifications that way you don't miss whenever we go live leave us a little thumbs up just for my own personal self-esteem and so I, I i can tell jesse that we did a good job also if you're listening to us on your favorite audio podcasting app please subscribe to us there leave us a review we thank you for the feedback so much uh, and of course we thank you guys uh, for always being here and listening to this show we thank you guys for being diamondbacks fans it finally finally feels like it's time to pay off uh, with this Gabriel Moreno trade, the one thing that gets me the most excited, Jesse, is it it it's like Voltron coming together, which is probably yet another reference <laughs> that you're not going to get. But uh, it's five Correct. robots, five robots come together, make a big robot. Uh, that's what the Diamondbacks core feels like is coming together between Corbin Carroll. Uh, Brandon fought Alec Thomas and now the acquisition of Gabriel Moreno not to mention the fact that often the distance in their own mechanical lions is Jordan Lawler and Drew Jones it's 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 a very exciting time that this team is so young that it's going to be under team control for a number of years Uh, and honestly it finally feels like their core is kind of figured out you know that we're we're past that giant stone of marble and we've got it whittled down to kind of looking like a person like a statue a little bit it's not refined (laughs) it's not there yet but you can see uh, what it's going to look like in in the near future
1: you can yeah it's it's become kind of a fun thought experiment for me Uh, i've spent a lot of time the last few days just like on my notes app on my computer just like messing around with different lineups that the Diamondbacks could possibly put together. It's kind of a fun little game to play, right? Now that you have both Gurriel and Gabby Moreno coming in, the, the puzzle starts to fit together, kind of like what you're yeah. what you're describing. If you think about, you know, Jake McCarthy, maybe he's your left fielder. You've got Carroll in right field. You've got Alec Thomas in center. Third base, probably going to be Josh Rojas, Nick Ahmed at shortstop. Second base, you've got Ketel Marte, Christian Walker at first, Gabriel Moreno behind the plate it's like okay like yeah you you can win some games with that lineup we're getting to the point where and I don't think we've been at this point for a while where you can you can kind of play around with different lineups and different ways of of arranging the players that the Diamondbacks have uh into an everyday roster and and kind of thinking about what their depth chart might look like and it's it's kind of fun to think about all the different options they have and the fact that on paper it's actually starting to look pretty good
0: yeah and and not just that but <clears throat> Gabriel Moreno didn't have a lot of uh, games last year at a major league level he only played 25 right if you want if you want to take that small amount of of offense that that small sample size away the man slash 319 356 377 which is not great but with a 733 ops that 319 batting average that's really important the diamondbacks haven't really had somebody that hit anywhere close to that. I know for a period of time, Emmanuel Rivera was a 300 hitter while while he first joined (laughs) this club. Uh, I know we've talked about in the past, Cattell Marte just consistently hitting 320 in his career and and being capable of that. If, If we can have a bounce back season from Cattell and have somebody else like Gabriel Moreno in the lineup, there could be a lot of a lot of a lot of runs scored between those two guys, even if he's not doing it with the boomstick the way that Dalton Barshow did last season.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of part of the calculus of this trade is the Diamondbacks and Mike Hazen acknowledge this. Like, yeah, the Diamondbacks gave up some power in this move, but also they got Gabriel Moreno, who, as you said, hit 319 last year. Really small sample size. But if you look at his minor league numbers, career 315 hitter in the minors. Yeah, so yeah. you feel like that that might have some staying power. And then you look at Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who is a 291 hitter last year, a 285 hitter for his career. The Diamondbacks as a team in 2022 ranked 26th in batting average. They hit 230 as a team. And I know batting average is not the end-all be-all, and I will certainly be the first one to say that, but it's also like kind of difficult in some ways to put together... A, a solid lineup when you have a lot of guys who just aren't really hitting for average. And that's, yeah. as you said, some of the D backs, they haven't had many hitters who hit for average for a while, really. Cattell has had some, some nice seasons offensively, but outside of him, it's been mostly, you know, 240, 250 and below. And I think there's something to be said for having a couple of guys, at least for 2023, who reasonably could hit around 300 for this team.
0: What's wild is I don't want to, you know, Bash Varsho. I don't want to turn this into that. I do want us to get over losing Varsho a little bit, right? And one of the things you said right there, the team as a team hit 230, which happened to be Varsho's batting average last season, right? So it did like yeah. as, as much as he was uh you know a, a valuable member, especially defensively of this team, he did lack in quite a few ways offensively. Uh he had some great power, but he just couldn't put it together consistently. That's something you could say about the entire team, though. That that's something you could say about yeah. their entire season.
1: Marsha I'll, was definitely one of the better ones, all in all. But you're right. Like like batting average wasn't a strength for him, and it is right. a strength for the two players coming in. And there's something to be Correct. said for kind of getting something that you really didn't already have in in you know the the hit
0: tool that those two guys have at all levels. Gabriel Moreno is hitting 313, 375, 470 with an 845 OPS. Uh, and that's that's consistent. That's consistent. That's one thing that we need is consistency. I saw a lot of talk about, uh, mostly from like Blue Jays fans, I think some Diamondbacks fans, but Blue Jays fans had some some thoughts. Some called him a future Hall of Famer. And said that they were potentially <laughs> losing that. And then some were more realistic and said, Hey, can we not call a kid that just played yeah. 25 games at a major league level a future Hall of Famer? Right? Who knows what the future holds? Who knows what the future holds for any of these three guys, to be honest? We talked about Varsho potentially having, you know, a career year last year. Who knows if that's true? Maybe he's just starting to peak. Maybe he has just begun. I
1: really could be. I mean, 2022 was Dalton Varsho's first full season in the big leagues. We have to remember that. I mean, he only played about 90 games in 2021 and he just kind of got a cup of coffee in the major leagues the year before that. So Dalton Varsho, this really was kind of his first official fall season in the big league. So there's certainly some untapped potential there as
0: well. Heath Klein in the comments says Varsho was drafted 68th overall in 2017 hoping he could be an offensive catcher. What's wrong with trading him for a guaranteed offensive catcher? There's nothing wrong with that, and I believe that's the point I was trying to make yesterday when it came to this trade. As great as Varsho has been, and again, you don't you it, it doesn't really matter. It, it's irrelevant to say, "Oh wow, this guy changed from this position to this pos- position and he's great there, but we should get rid of him." I'm just saying with the surplus of outfielders they had, it made sense to trade Dalton considering that he was supposed to be what you just described their offensive catcher of the future. Uh, He was supposed to be able to be behind the plate and share time with Carson Kelly. That didn't happen. And for whatever reason, they obviously, they felt like, uh, <laughs> Gabriel, oh, you son of a bitch. Gabriel says the D-backs <laughs> Hall of fame inductees at 24 is looking good. Moreno, Jones, Lawler, Carolyn Gallon, all of them, all of them. 20, yeah, 20, 45, 20, 45, what did I say? Well, whatever. I don't care. I'd say 2025 because that's when we're going to win the world series. But back, <laughs> back to reality. Uh, I, I just, I really like this move. And in the end, even honestly, even if Dalton Bar show goes on a tear in Toronto if Gabriel Moreno can be that, if he can be the, the catcher, it's it seems to be a bigger need for this team rather than having uh, a star-studded outfield of like five or six guys at this point.
1: I was listening to another another Blue Jays podcast last night, which has become something of a pastime of mine ever since the the trade happened. Just uh, you know, <laughs> kind of getting to see what some Blue Just Jays people think of this, buying on them. Um, it's it, it's enjoyable. Um, but I I've I've definitely heard a growing sentiment within the Blue Jays fan base that you don't know what Gabriel Moreno is going to be, right? Like you look at the yes. prospect rankings, you look at this stuff. You have no guarantees of what Gabriel Moreno is going to be, whereas you do sort of not, not a guarantee, but you have a pretty good idea of what Dalton Varsho offers at the big league level. And, and I think that's fair. I think that's a fair point Very fair. to make that Very fair. you don't know what Gabriel Moreno is going to be. But also a lot of the prospects that we make that comment about are guys that are still in single A. Right. Or guys who just made it to double A or there's a difference. There's a difference between a guy in (laughs) double A or even triple A and a guy who's already seen the majors and has already had success and did not in any way look overwhelmed by major league pitching. Gabriel Moreno had eight strikeouts in 73 plate appearances. That's a strikeout rate of about 11%, which is basically half of the league average. So it's hard for me to look at that and, and say, like, okay, Moreno but it's still a small sample size we still need to see more but in his first taste of the big leagues he didn't look overwhelmed he looked like he belonged and and yeah. that's why i think you can have more confidence in gabriel moreno than you know most prospects that we talk about in that in that way
0: just covering his numbers from last season which were very good uh, in triple a he hit 315 386 420 the yep. f- prior year in double a he hit 373 441 651 with a 1.092 OPS oh and by the way uh in a in a in a I don't know what league this is but it wasn't very many at bats he hit 750 so like let's just realize that this guy <laughs> that is was really uh that special. looks like uh I think that was a probably a rehab assignment
1: he played yeah. two rookie league games he went yep. three for four but yeah yep. 750 let's go shut up with Jesse
0: <laughs> shut up I thought you were a numbers guy. <laughs> the the 373, uh, though, not. the
1: 373, not- I, I'm, I'm talking positively here. All right. <laughs> the 373 is genuinely insane. And that was a year when a lot of people were realizing like, OK, this kid could be really good. You have to remember, Gabriel Moreno signed for twenty five thousand dollars as an amateur out of Venezuela. He was not a big name international signing whatsoever at the time. And so it's kind of taken time for people to realize like, oh, man, this this kid's really good. And and that year, once you had double A and you're putting up numbers like that, it it becomes very, very hard to ignore. Um, And unfortunately, I I believe he broke his thumb uh, shortly thereafter, had surgery. um, So that was sort of a, a shortened year for him. You see. Uh, those those crazy numbers in double A was over 32 games. So it was a pretty small sample. Um, but yeah, you can see what he was able to do at that level. That's also the last time that we've seen Gabriel Moreno hit for serious power. Uh, you mentioned his numbers in, in, uh, triple A this past season, a slugging percentage of 420, which is decent. Uh, but it's still relative to a 315 batting average, it's still below average power. Um, but I think, you know, if the guy's hitting 300, you're, you're probably okay. You're probably okay with that. But I guess the point I'm making is, if you look at his minor league numbers from years prior, there are signs here that Gabriel Moreno is not necessarily, you know, your slap hitter who's going to slug under 400. He's put up some big power numbers in the past. There's just sort of been a change of approach the last couple of years that has kind of lent itself to him being a little bit more hitterish, uh, a little
0: bit less swinging for the fences, uh, at least over the last couple of years. Uh. Well, some projections for Gabriel Moreno next year kind of come back down to earth versus that small sample size that he had uh in 2022. But the numbers are still pretty good. We're talking about a batting average of 276 OBP of 335 with a 418 slug and a 753 OPS. So I, I mean, honestly, even those number, even though those numbers take a dip, it still makes him one of the best hitters on the D backs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, our friend Jack Summers did did uh, kind of a deep dive into some of the numbers and found that I think he was taking the average of Zips and Steamer, which are the two like publicly available projection systems that are out right now. If you take the average of those two things, uh, you find that Gabriel Moreno grades out as the second most valuable position player that the Diamondbacks have. I think Catel Marte, the projection system, still really like because of how much success he's had in the past tell grades out as the most valuable position player the D backs have. Gabriel Moreno is 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 right behind. For some reason, Steamer seems to like him a lot more than Zips does. Um, but you know, I mean, it gets 22 years old. So those numbers will probably
0: come up over time as he gets more more reps uh in the big leagues. I'm just very excited for it, Jesse. I'm very excited for it. I'm 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 even excited you know, for uh, the addition of Lourdes Gurriel. I think that, of course, I've talked about he seems like a delightful personality, so there's that, but I really do think he can have uh, add something special to this team. He also is on the final year of a contract, so this is a guy that's hopefully going to be playing his heart out uh, in an effort to try to land a new deal either with the Diamondbacks or with another club. Uh, maybe maybe he ends up becoming a trade deadline candidate for this club possible. if his it's deal is possible. up after the end of the season, right? Um what but what I'm not ready yet, Jesse, is I'm not ready for Lourdes Guriel to be taking number 12 from Dalton Barshow. show. Is it <laughs> which is, is exactly not, what he did. <laughs> is it not too early for this? This is too, too early. I don't like this, Jesse. I don't look at this. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. One big
1: it's weird. I I I mean granted this isn't something I've never I've never really paid very close attention to this Uh, sort of thing, but it's pretty odd when you get traded for a guy and then you take
0: that guy's number and takes your number. The uh, body isn't even cold yet. It's sleeping in another man's shoes. What's happening here. I don't like this one bit. I don't like it. Um, Another thing I don't like is a gift that I'm giving to the Toronto blue Jays fans that are here today. I am bestowing upon you. One of my most treasured uh, memes and I want you guys to not only take care of Dalton Varshow, <laughs> but I want to make sure that you take care of Dalton Varsho and all of his tools. So I went ahead. I put a little hat on our Dalton Varshow meme and uh, put that up. That's uh, that hurts, Jesse. That I don't hurts. like I don't want to look <laughs> at that at all. But there you go. You're getting this man and all of those tools. Uh, he will go two for four and then he'll replace all the plumbing in your house. That's the kind of guy that you're getting right there. Uh, what a guy. Going
1: going back real quick to the jersey number thing, it does make a little bit of sense here. I wouldn't I wouldn't start claiming that Lourdes Guriel was like he wanted number twelve just to like I don't know <laughs> like get to
0: Dalton Barshow. No, like, ah, no, I, I want that guy's no, number. I want his number. <laughs> Give me his number. You
1: know? Gurriel, Gurriel wore moon. he wore thirteen with the Toronto Blue Jays his entire time there. Number thirteen, of course, already taken on the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Nick Ahmed. So yeah, he goes know. to number 12. It it kind of makes sense.
0: We have some other Jersey updates. Ryan Nelson switches from 52 to 19, while Kyle Nelson switches from number 50 to 24. Uh, Dre Jamison switches from 58 to number 27, once Zach Davies left. And Scott, this is the one that infuriates me. Jesse, this one I'll never forgive. Jake McCarthy is switching his number from 30 to 31 so that Scott McGuff, brand new relief pitcher, can have number 30. And we didn't do this for Seth Beer? <laughs> I, we didn't do this for Seth Beer? What are we even fucking doing anymore, Jesse? My God. Oh.
1: Yeah, hey. I mean, number, numbers are just weird, right? And, and you do see this a lot where guys will like, They'll come up and they'll just kind of take a number, you know, just like, you know, whatever, whatever you give me, I'll just take it. And then and then once you've been in the league for for a few months, then the next year, like, okay, now (laughs) now I'm you know, I'm a veteran around here. I get to pick my own number. Uh, I don't really have a rationale for any of these. I did check into uh, (laughs) Kyle Nelson's number switch, and I was told that uh, 24 is a number that he likes. Uh, that's all, that's all I have to share Let's go. on that. So I, don't, <laughs> Let's go. I don't really know the full story there, but, uh, but yeah, I like we'll 24 get,
0: too. It's my birthday. We'll, I like that.
1: We'll get some more clarity on, on where all these,
0: uh, where all these all came right. from, because well. I'm sure, I'm sure they all have their reasons. Well, you stay tuned to gophnx.com so that Jesse can provide you with the riveting reasons behind all of these number changes. If you haven't <laughs> done so already, sign up for a DieHards membership. DieHards membership will not only get you a piece of our amazing merchandise every single year from the phnxlocker.com, it will get you discounts at that same website as well as discounts on our events, uh, and, and individual and exclusive invites to Discord or uh, DieHard events only. Uh, Obviously, we have our Die Hard Discord Lounge, which is the best place to be an Arizona sports fan, and all sorts of other benefits, including the Die Hard's Only newsletter, where Jesse uh, is giving you the full count, uh, and of course, providing you with the best information on the Arizona Diamondbacks, along with the wonderful writing of Craig Morgan, Gerald Bourget, Howard Balzer, and more, so make sure to sign up. For a diehard membership. Diehard membership right now will get you a discount at our inaugural PHNX tea party, which is taking place on January 13th. There's no reason for the holiday parties to stop. We're heading full head into. This wonderful event at the Dobson Ranch Golf Course. Uh, obviously, diehards get a discount there on the entry fee, uh, and that entry fee will include unlimited range balls, a set of rental clubs if you don't have your own, as well as one free hour of range time and golf balls at Dobson Ranch to be used at a later date. We're going to be having a blast with the PHNX Suns crew watching the Suns versus the Timberwolves on giant jumbo screens. Uh, there'll be mini games, including me beating you in Cornhole, uh, Saul maybe beating you in Pickleball, and of course, The main event is Jesse whooping that ass and ping pong. Contest entries include. That is the primary uh, that's the primary, the that's primary, the primary pro focus yeah. of this event. It's just for Jesse <laughs> to challenge diehard goals. Guys, why whatever, whatever. That's what you say. That's not what <laughs> your, we're here for. Your primary focus is golf. I yeah. Speak for yourself, my Jacob. Yeah. No, but the golf is incredible. I've talked about it a whole bunch. I don't even understand how this driving range works. It's it's like witches' magic to me, but somehow they track your ball. There's all sorts of wonderful games. It's just like top golf without the nets around you this time instead of you hitting a net the the computer will tell you you're jackass and that they're sending somebody to come check on you that's what the computer will do here now it's great but of course we're going to be having a blast so join us at the inaugural phnxt party presented by our friends at four peaks we are renting out that entire driving range so it's going to be a a good time diehards and non-diehards alike can join us and uh join in on the fun four peaks will be there providing beer samples and swag check the link in the description to reserve your spot right now and of course if you are a diehard check the discord for your special link that will that will save you 20 percent off on this awesome event uh, if you're not going to join us make sure to join us in spirit remotely from wherever you're at go grab some four peaks brewing company beer wherever you get your beers and enjoy that must be 21 or over to enjoy and enjoy responsibly uh jesse i am not happy because things aren't getting fixed. I don't, I'm not a person. I can't stand for stuff to not work around my house. Like, especially considering I spend so much time here by myself, I have to fix stuff. I can't let stuff just go unfixed, but the Diamondbacks are not like me. Uh, Derek Hall said in an interview with Steve Gilbert, that apparently the retractable roof at the vault, AKA the vault door. That's why we, we want to call it the vault. We need a vault door to work uh, that the roof will not be fixed in time. For the 2023 season, he said in the article uh, we were uh, in the interview, we have a long maintenance plan for the entire building. We cannot address the roof concerns for another year due to off-season events such as concerts, the bowl game and the world baseball schedule. However, we can still decide before fans enter the gates whether the roof should be opened or closed. So the experience should be the same. We're also looking for ways to enhance the overall experience by locations and destinations within Chase Field to modernize the 25-year-old ballpark. We want to bring it up to speed in the next few years when it comes to premium offerings and state-of-the-art technology and amenities. So uh, what I take away from this is less about that part where he said the off-season events. And I think it's more about maybe a full-on renovation in some way of Chase Field uh, maybe something that's going to require them to do a lot of work all at once versus just having, you know what I mean, part of the work done and then having to do it at a later time with with, you know, uh, finishing things up. So I don't know for sure, but it does seem like a miss, because if you look at the schedule, it doesn't really look like there's a whole lot preventing them from getting that roof fixed between today's bowl game and their next event there, which seems to be the world baseball classic uh in the middle of march
1: i think we have to do like maybe a little bit more verifying to be able to like be totally sure on that but yeah yeah cuz sure, as far I'm as i'm sure
0: there are other events that aren't major events right like not Potentially. we're just looking at the big ticketed events you know like uh aside from that uh morgan waller is going to perform there in july and then pink next october but that's pretty much just all on their event schedule there might be a lot of other things going on there. I do know that they hold events on the field for like little league teams and and schools and all sorts of other stuff during the off season. So that that very well could be it, but I don't know, man. I mean, this seems like a big miss uh, in, in for a stadium that kind of needs that roof to be able to open during the games. They, they, they can't, I mean, I've been there on days where they left the roof open all day and even with it being nice outside, it was still really, really hot on field. And I mean, this yeah. is like in March and <laughs> April early on. Right. So, you know, it just seems to be a, a terrible missed opportunity in, in taking care of this issue as quickly as possible.
1: I mean, let's face it, right? Like Chase, Chase Field doesn't have that much going for it at, at the end of the day, right? No, in, in terms no, of really in terms things sense. that make it unique or cool. And I know there are people who really like the ballpark, which, which I under, I understand. I mean, there, there's certainly been some cool things that have happened there and the retractable roof and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like chase field doesn't have that many unique factors. It's kind of old, right? You're going on 25 years at this point. Um, and it hasn't really seen any major renovations since it was first, uh, since it was first put into place way back in, in 1998. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a big a big missed opportunity for the D-backs. And granted, like like you said, maybe there are some reasons we, we just don't have all the information here. Maybe there are some events that are really keeping them from, from being able to put these, uh, to be able to take care of, of the roof as it needs to be taken care of. But it is really unfortunate. I mean, being at the ballpark basically every day, there are certain days, there were certain days where you felt like, oh, they might actually be able to open the roof today. Um, but because they didn't have the ability to open or close it while there were people in the stands, they, they were very, very cautious and they, they would not open the roof unless they knew for sure that it wasn't going to rain and that it was going to be cool enough outside, you know, for it to be comfortable for fans. And those things just aren't really going to happen in Phoenix outside of April and, you know, maybe certain days in May. After that, you're probably looking at Chase Field, you know, being the airplane hangar, that's that's closed all the time uh, from that point forward, which is which is really unfortunate. I know the team during the season, they talked about how they were trying to maybe fix the roof while the team was on the road, but that there were supply chain issues keeping them from getting the parts that they needed. Um, but it, it's confusing, right? Because that that makes it seem like maybe the repairs wouldn't take that long if they were talking about doing it on the road. It doesn't seem like you need like months of of the building being empty. Um Man. But yeah, we don't we don't have all the information, but it it is unfortunate that Diamondbacks fans are going to have to put up with a in general closed
0: chase field pretty much the entire season once again. Yeah. And honestly, some of the night games, they could open it like after a couple of innings. But the problem is, is that uh, if they have to leave it open all day before the fans arrive, which usually is around like five o'clock for a 640 start, that's. It's just going to preheat the stadium far too much for it to be comfortable, uh, even if they, you know, even if it cools off a little bit, you know, once the sun goes down. So, uh, I do think this is cool though because uh, the the they are using real grass on the field today for the bowl game, and apparently after the game is over, they're going to donate that grass to a park in Glendale. So, that's kind of cool. It's also kind of interesting to know that. Chase Field can have real grass added to it that easily for a sporting event, uh, considering that this is something that actually just recently had to be added after when, whenever their last concert was there. So it didn't take very much time for them to put this grass down. It's pretty, pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is all like thinking about the, the long-term future of the D-backs. I know there was the whole Henderson, Nevada thing that happened a couple of years ago, some speculation about the team potentially moving uh, moving away from Arizona. I wouldn't think of those as being likely scenarios at this point, but it does appear, and I use the word appear intentionally because it's hard to say for sure exactly what's happening, but it appears that the Diamondbacks are kind of not wanting to put in a, a dollar more than they have to, right? Yeah. They're, they're, it feels yeah. like it's kind of a bare minimum sort of an approach, which is what you would do if you felt that chase field wasn't a long-term home. And I think we can confidently say the D backs don't necessarily view chase field as a long-term
0: home at this point. We've talked about this, but let's be honest. The diamondbacks want to probably move near salt river fields. That would be probably their peak destination for where they could put a baseball stadium. It would be over there. Close to that entertainment district that's already ready-made, that they're never going to get where they're at now because the Phoenix Convention Center isn't going anywhere. There's, n- it's never going anywhere. I don't ever foresee yeah. that building going anywhere. But if it does, I still don't see like an entertainment district p- being put up across the street. They, they do GSB.
1: have like, uh, so there was some legislation passed that allowed the Diamondbacks officially to create a theme park district around the stadium that they could charge some sort of an extra tax for and make some money off of it. Uh, sure. Derek Hall has said that he doesn't like the idea of kind of taxing fans, you know, over and above what they would normally be paying for but why things. Can't it,
0: why can't it be like Tempe, right? Where the facility is going in out there for the Coyotes would potentially have just the tax revenue from that facility going to pay for it right so it's not like right it's not like it's an additional tax it's just the tax revenue from sales made at that facility would go towards paying for it that seems like one of the most ideal situations for adding something like this right not adding extra tax but just you know using the tax from the facility to go to pay for the facility it's going to renovate and make phoenix you know it's going to make downtown phoenix even that much more of a, of a hub for people to go. It's going to make it that much more of an attractive destination. I mean, let's be honest. People right now talk about downtown Phoenix. There's not a lot of people that are like me that love going down there because of how spread apart it is and at times how difficult it is to, like, have to walk in between, you know, one place to another. Nothing is really close-knit where you can just kind of walk down one street. Roosevelt's getting to be a little bit like that where you can kind of yeah. park your car and walk down Roosevelt. There's a bunch of great, like, uh, breweries and stuff, right there. But th- those areas in downtown Phoenix are are kind of few and far between. It, it seems like, uh, and and especially with the construction and shit going on down there, it makes it even that uh, that much less desirable to be down there. And and we all know the construction in downtown Phoenix is never going to end. It's just it's until the end of time. It's that's what it's scheduled <laughs> for until the end of time. But uh, anyway, I don't know. Uh, I I agree with what with your sentiment. I think that that is. Could be very much why we're not seeing renovations done to this ballpark yet. Or my other thought is, again, if you're going to renovate your kitchen and you're going to change the countertops and you're going to change the cabinets and you're going to do all of this work, you might as well fucking do it all at once. There's no point to change out the leaky faucet now when you have a plan in a couple of weeks just to go in on a full you know, full construction plan. So yeah, if you're going
1: to like redo the roof at Chase Field, you know, maybe you shouldn't like put a whole bunch of money into fixing the existing one that that is where you're coming
0: from. Or if you're going to, you know, have construction going on, that's going to involve multiple things uh, up, you know, in the top of the building, might as well do it all at once. Right. Like, yeah, they're they're in desperate need to update the lights to keep up with other stadiums. I want fucking cool LED lights that can do a light show and shit. Jesse, I want that. I need that. <laughs> if there's anything that's going to benefit from a goddamn stadium that's an airplane hangar, it's having a cool light show going on inside. For God's sake, anyway.
1: <laughs> I um, think they're restricted on fireworks too because of like the airport being right there. So yeah, maybe maybe a light show is is like a good healthy alternative. Like somebody, Since
0: when are they restricted on fireworks? Is that something new?
1: I had heard that years ago. That like be because the Diamondbacks have never they've done fireworks in the postseason. But the Diamondbacks, at least to my knowledge, have not usually done fireworks for, like, every home run during a regular season oh, game. Oh, no,
0: no, no, no. But no, that, is
1: right. that is Don't something that a lot of other teams yeah, do. You're, you're absolutely and right. And to my knowledge, the reason of that has to do with the airport. But I I, Interesting. I do not have official
0: sources confirming that. So that, that might be dated information. But I well, think no, that was a, a fact at actually, one point. That would make sense why they kind of relegate it to just being after games on Friday right that's when they do fireworks is like a specific yeah time obviously they have the YM fireworks Monday. show.
1: yeah i think they can maybe do it if it's like a scheduled scheduled like, hey, event we're going to yeah, be doing so it this day Sky
0: harbor knows that it's going on and stuff yeah, like that something yeah. like that i want random fireworks maybe inside the airplane hangar jesse let's figure it out <laughs> hey if wwe can do it so can mlb god damn it all right well uh i was on the the Bet show earlier, so make sure to check that out for all of my props, bets, all my stuff. Uh, <laughs> there's not very confident in the Suns. Uh, DeAndre Eight and I had him under uh the 10 rebounds for tonight. I don't know, Jesse, I don't know what's going on with this team. I did that stupid mayor video. I asked the Diamondbacks to do something, they did something, but I also said they the did. Cardinals were going to slack off and the Suns were going to choke, and those things are happening too. So I'm starting to think that maybe this is my fault, but of course. Uh, If it is, hopefully we can at least make some money off of my picks earlier. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use our code of PHNX if you haven't signed up yet. Uh, For new customers, if you place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game, you will get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code PHNX only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and make sure – to go on there and check out all of their uh, bets uh, that, or all of their specials that they have. Don't miss out on opting in on their specials. Sometimes they just have free money out there waiting to give it away. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Uh, Kyle says, use your powers for good. You are now AZ Sports Nostradamus. <laughs> I don't like that. That's ah uh, no, <laughs> I'm not taking that. Uh, Charles Woodall Pike says, if the Rattlers can have fireworks, why can't we? That's a great point, Jesse. If the Rattlers can have indoor fireworks, Let's do it. Let's go. I'm for it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to get Derek Hall in here in a few, in a, in a week or two. So I, I promise you, once we get him in here, we're going to we're going to get him on board with indoor fireworks and other things. But uh, in the meantime, make sure to follow us all on Twitter. I'm at cap underscore caveman with a K. Jesse is at Jesse N. Friedman. Our show is at phnx underscore dbacks. But of course, all roads lead to at phnx underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We thank you guys so much for being here, for being in the chat, for being fans of whatever team you're a fan of. Uh, we are low-key a Toronto Blue Jays podcast now, so if you're a fan <laughs> of that team, just stick around. We'll talk about your players every single show, I promise you. Tomorrow,
1: but, tomorrow, deep dive into
0: George Springer. That's, yeah, that's actually yeah, got yeah! Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's see if you guys like or hate that contract, because it doesn't look like a good one at this point. But anyway, uh, come back tomorrow. We'd love to have you. Uh, in the meantime, we thank you guys again so much for being here. On behalf of Uh, Father Overlord Jacob, Jesse, and myself, we always appreciate your time. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you pass the physical.